everyone. Welcome again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series Show podcast, where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. Uh, we are done with Season 2, so we are going to do a l- talk a little bit about Curse of the White Knight uh, with its author, Sean Murphy, who is my co-host. <laughs> Sean, how are you doing? Hey, and we're here face-to-face, the way yes. it should be, the way we bragged so hard at the beginning of the season, and then we just got separated. Yeah, we just really blew it after about two episodes or so. Um, but yeah, so we, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Curse of the White Knight. Uh, Sean had some thoughts he wanted to put out there. And then after that, we are going to do some question and answers for, uh, the questions that we were sent on Twitter. So yeah, what, what's, uh, what's on your mind? Uh, in general? About, about Curse of the White Knight. Oh, you know, I was, um, so I'm, I'm down here visiting you because I'm about to write final issue and I know generally what I want to do. I I always want to know my ending before I start the story. But I, in my head, I'm like, how did I start the story? Why did I start writing it this way? When did I start to use Asriel? And I, I honestly couldn't remember some of the sure. uh, answers to questions that I get sometimes. Um, and I wanted to talk to you because you were there um, sort of when it was, began to be developed. Mm-hmm. Um, after White Knight, um, I got a DC bonus check. I took all my friends to Scotland. Uh, it was you, me, Joe, Ricardo. Uh, Will Sliney mm-hmm. and who else said it? I think that was it. Yeah. yeah. So we're on the red eye from Boston to um, Edinburgh mm-hmm. before we knew how hellish our next day was going to be traveling, getting through customs and all that canceled flights and all that. I'm I'm not <laughs> going to blame talking about Batman on why we missed our flight after that, but <laughs> it makes for a better story if we yeah. do. And I remember um, I thought Joe was asleep because it was you know 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. you know Atlantic time, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, you and I were like, all right, let's get into it. So I had on my phone some notes I had written and some ideas I wanted to do. And uh, I was hoping you could remind me about how, where I was when we started talking, why I started to do the story I wanted to do, and just get your thoughts on it. And also talk about, like, how it's been received, because you've been reading a lot of the reviews along mm-hmm. with me, which I think is interesting. Um, maybe because, like, you have you have stakes in the story because you help me in a lot of ways and you want to know how it's, it's always interesting to see how audiences um, consume it and how yeah, they react yeah. to it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, we talk about it so much. I, I can't help but yeah. be curious as to how it's being received. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess when I, when I, when I struck out, so when I was finishing up volume one, I think it was issue seven where they said, um, are you interested in doing a sequel? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. Um, it was a clear hit. The sales were huge. Every issue was generally in the top 10 of, you know, best sales for per month or per week, whatever it is. And for a book like White Knight, which is an Elseworlds book that's non-continuity, that is really, really strange. Um, we even saw sales drop on issue two and then go back up for issue three. Which oh, really? Never happens. It's happened to me a handful of times in my career. Um, but normally that's just very rare. Um, and I, I don't, necessarily know why it took off um and i i'm happy to talk about it but i don't want to sound like i'm tooting my own horn but i guess for me um, too late yeah <laughs> i think that having um there's so much overwhelming continuity in batman that it's nice to have a batman story that's pretty uh like you can walk treat it like a movie right. where you don't need to know everything about batman you just need to know the gist you don't need to buy anything to get into the story there's no research you just arrive and my store, my my white knight universe wasn't really that different than 
traditional Batman. Mm-hmm. Like mostly uh, Elseworlds Batman stories. Like what if Batman was a pirate or what if he was an aviator or mm-hmm. something? This mm-hmm. one was like, it's basically Gotham 90% of how you're used to it. But, and there's this like 20% twist that, that, that I added. Um, and I guess the reason I got so much reader, so many readers is because it was easy to come to. It was sort of a critique on Batman as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of pointing a finger at the flaws of Gotham, but it also embraced Batman and said, you know, yeah, he's not perfect, but gotta love him, you know? Right, right. Um, so the problem with the sequel, I immediately saw was, like my best idea was, what if Joker was a good guy? Right. And he took Batman down legally. Curse doesn't have that clean elevator pitch. Right, right. And uh, I don't know if I have another idea that's as clean as what if the Joker was a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also didn't want to do a sequel that tried to compete with the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first one to me was sort of a political thriller in a lot of ways. Um, for the sequel, I thought, let's just change genres completely. Let's go with, uh, instead of a political thriller, it's a historical thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when the issue started coming out, that threw people off. You know, and I, I did it very deliberately, where the opening scene is a guy with a whip and a sword, right. and it looks like a Zorro comic. Right. And I, to my reader's credit, they were like, okay, that's not what I expected. Uh, I trust Sean, so I'll hang in there. But it wasn't until the end of issue two where I feel like they got a chunk. The, the, the first, it was almost like the beginning of the story was told in two parts, the yeah. first and second issue. And I thought the first issue ended when Azrael grabs the sword and when John Paul Leon, um, Valley grabs the sword. Sorry, John Paul Leon's an artist that we really like. I thought that was it. Like, ding, 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 boxy, like, let's begin, you know. But for a lot of people, it just wasn't enough of a mm. first issue. So I kind of wish I had found a way to combine issue one and two to encapsulate all the stuff I wanted to talk about. But then again, I don't know if there was a way to do that. Yeah, I, I personally think it's, um, I, I wouldn't worry about it because I, I feel like they, that they do work very well together. And I think that there is a pretty solid, uh, I think, I think the, the way the first issue ends is a, is a pretty solid uh, hook to get you into the next one. Yeah, you know, right. I don't think you have to lay out absolutely everything right away like that. And I right. think a lot, of the, a lot of the reviews that both of us read kind of proved that, where the, yeah. the re- first issue came out and they were like, well, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And then the second <laughs> one came out and they were like, okay, I get what's going on now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny you mentioned how Elseworlds uh, books are usually a lot more out there because your first pitch to me Mm-hmm. of this was <laughs> Castlevania but with Batman and I was like what is what do you mean and right. then you're like like imagine Castlevania <laughs> and there are monster equivalents of every Batman villain yep and then that's just what it is and I and I was kind of like I you're really going to need to sell this to me yeah yeah <laughs> cuz right. it was such a departure from the first one yeah um that I was not sure that it was uh, uh, necessarily the way to go, right? Um, but as you started fleshing it out, and, and it, it's it's funny because I I don't know I don't know if I want to say un- unfortunately or fortunately, a lot of that stuff ended up being stripped way 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 back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know how you f- how you feel about that in in the end product because I know that you really wanted to do a lot of the swashbuckling stuff. Yeah. And there's definitely not as much in it as there was on first page. Right. 
So yeah, you you reminded me um, when I was writing volume one, I think I was halfway through, and I came up with this idea of. I don't know. I was going through a Castlevania phase mm-hmm. again. And I'm talking NES, Super yes. Nintendo Castlevania, before it got all uh, anime. And I thought, you know, what if Batman was Simon Belmont? What if uh, Joker was Dracula? You're jocular. What if Frankenstein <laughs> was like Bane? Mm-hmm. What if Croc was a creature from the Black Lagoon? What if Catwoman was a witch? Like a woman who flew around in a uh, broom and turned mm-hmm. into a cat. So there's all these like count- the universal monsters. I'm talking the mummy, all the classic Universal Studios shit. You can easily see how uh, the villains gallery um, mirrors a lot of that. I right, this right. is a great. This is a cool idea. I do remember though that you know, you know that Orange County Choppers meme where the two guys are yelling at each other. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we ended up at that point because I was very dead set on the fact that Ra's al Ghul should be Dracula, not Joker. Yeah, <laughs> and we got into one of those like minutia stupid comic book <laughs> and then things I through the door. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, my, you're not wrong, but for the, in my mind, the way I wanted to lay the story out was if this was a video game Mm -hmm. and you had to fight all these mini bosses to get to the big boss, the Mm -hmm. biggest boss in Gotham would be Joker. Right. And he would be this Dracula guy. And, uh, you know, I knew a little bit about the difference between American vampires versus European vampires. European vampires, um, uh, oh man. Off the top of my head, I can't remember what made it different. But I know American vampires, it was a specific thing with um, consumption, also yes, known as tuberculosis. Yeah, yeah. And when they found these, uh, when you dig up a body buried in the colonial times in the U.S., you know, consumption and dehydration made the teeth look longer and mm-hmm. the nails look longer. And they thought perhaps these people were buried alive. There's so a they, famous one in, I think, Rhode Island or, or, yeah. or New England. There's a, a yeah. famous story about a, a young girl who they thought was a vampire. Right. Yeah. They they bury people with bells, so if you mm-hmm. were accidentally buried alive, you could ring the bell and insanity like that. And that was like I, I believe a very American spin on the vampire thing, which is different than European vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Snyder would actually be very helpful, <laughs> seeing as I'm using the phrase American vampire now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, what if Joker was a, dra- a vampire and he was uh, like had consumption and he was you know lording over Gotham Valley and and allowing the criminal element to trade and make money they would just ship him children he would just suck the blood out of these children and what if that's pretty dark yeah yeah and that's actually it's funny the first my opening scene originally was a child running through the woods in gotham valley and a vampire attacks his child and like yeah that's right murders his child and you said that's that's really dark (laughs) yeah not only not only was it really dark but it also you know by the time you got to the scripting phase um that the story had turned into something else yeah and starting it that way i think would have put the emphasis on the wrong part of that flashback story right. you're right um and so starting it the way you did where it's with uh, edmund and all that yeah. kind of stuff i think you know puts you right into the stuff that you should be paying attention to right yeah yeah, yeah so i i had this story i wanted to do called called it Castlevania as a joke. <laughs> uh, but when DC gave me a green light, and I sent it to DC as a pitch, like, hey, here's something I want to do someday. You know, if anyone's going to do a vampire Joker story, like, let me know, because mm-hmm. I'd rather do mine first type of thing. And I don't think anybody read it. They just filed it away. Sure. So when they said to do a sequel, I, I pulled that pitch out, and I thought, I really want to do this, but I know this is not the appropriate follow-up to White Knight, because this is a completely different genre. Right, right. Uh, I'm not even a horror fan, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know why I'm messing around with Castlevania. Honestly, <laughs> I just like sword fighting. Um, 
And so then I thought, well, what if there's a connection from this 1600s uh, Castlevania story to Bruce Wayne now? What if we went way back further than I believe anyone's gone mm. to talk about the nobility of the Wayne family and how the Wayne's first, the first Wayne became the goth? It was mm-hmm. like a phrase that kept repeating in my head. Um, and I, uh, I wanted to create, instead of using Asriel, I wanted to have a um, Knights Templar type character or some kind of cult that's been around forever and mm-hmm. Gotham is pulling the levers in some way. Uh, and the reason I wanted to do that was financial reasons. You know, if you create a character that's your own, you own equity in that right, character. Right. So if I created a guy, you know, uh, like that, um, then if they ever made a movie on it, I'd make, I'd make extra money, which, sure. is, which is cool. But uh, the more I thought about it, the more it made more sense just to use Asriel, who I thought was a big deal because in the 90s, I remember those covers, the flashing sword, the, you know, the, uh, the Casada designs, mm-hmm. and I loved it. But um, I said this in a previous podcast, but one of the things I was worried about when I did John Paul Valley was I made him kind of big, mm-hmm. like a linebacker, like kind of out of shape, but still capable. And I was worried that Asriel people would getting a mad at that uh but when i was i was mostly surprised to learn that they the re- most of the response was who is Azrael?" because outside <laughs> of um uh one of the arkham silent games like yeah. he hasn't there isn't the Azrael story there's no Azrael year one well, there's not the, there's the Azrael story which is the first one i meant like the like top the best if you go into some a shop and say give me the best Azrael story they're gonna be like I guess the first one. Yeah. Like there's not a whole I mean, lot and that's, been done. You know, no disrespect to people who have used him since then, but yeah. it's like he, he, ha- he, he was introduced the same time Bane was because they were part of the same story. Right. And Bane has stuck around as a much more prominent character than Asriel has. Right. Uh, you know, Bane's been in two Batman movies, right. which still blows my mind. I can't believe they used him twice. Um, Good point. Yeah. But yeah, Asriel is, uh, I, I think he definitely stands out because as soon because the original version after after you kind of pared back the the, the the vampire and monster stuff, you sent me uh, the the version that involved this Knights Templar esque new character, mm-hmm. and that version had this whole new character in it. Uh, it had um, Neo Joker in it. Mm-hmm. It had Jason Todd in it. Had yeah. a pretty had a fairly sizable role. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Sorry, Jason Todd people. Um. <laughs> and it was just it was just too much, and it was really I I could feel that you were sort of kind of feeling around for what the story was. Yeah. And I wasn't super thrilled with the Templar guy because it seemed like it was a bit too much to explain. Yeah. And, yeah. But then when you're like, what if it's Azrael? I was you know my response is oh that's perfect because yeah. it's all built into the character right he's got a pre-existing relationship with batman that right. people who know who Azrael is know right. what that is yeah um and it allows you to kind of <clears throat> put your own spin on that character who you, you're kind of you're kind of you're, you're allowed to kind of condense him down into an, an eight issue thing and yeah. kind of hopefully use him for to the most uh right f- to the most impact that you can right uh when I was talking to my editor about volume two before I had conceived an idea. He, mm-hmm. he threw Superman at me. He's like, Oh, you should do what Frank Miller did work in Superman or green arrow. blah blah blah." And I'm like, yeah, I know that's what you guys are going to say, but I just, I don't, I, I really want to keep it. My universe, Gotham centered universe. Sure. Gotham's an Island. Um, outside of like a world war two story, or it really doesn't have any relevance to m- 
it's not contemporary like that, mm-hmm. you know? And for me, the issue running into Superman and all these super power, supercharged superheroes is like, <clears throat> why the hell would Batman, why would they even hang out with Batman at this right, point? Which is right. like the, the tricky part of writing JLA for the last 70 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, I don't want to use Superman or anything like that. But I, I, after talking to you, I went back to them and said, what about Azrael? And they, they loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked them, like, what is Azrael doing right now? And they said, let me check. And they got back to me and they said, he's going into space. Mm. So I thought, okay, great. Perfect time <laughs> Convenient. to reinvent Azrael. <laughs> Shooting him into space. And I said, how does a flaming sword work with no oxygen? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> Laser sword. <laughs> Laser sword. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think when we got on that plane to talk, I think I had Azrael. I think I didn't want to let go of the Castlevania stuff. Yep. But I don't know how I settled on like what is Curse about. Right. You know. Um yeah, we 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 packed out a lot of stuff there. Um again, that was still Jason Todd was very present. I remember that. We talked a lot about Jason Todd. Yeah. Uh before ultimately removing him from the script. Yep. Um and uh that's where the Batgirl stuff came out. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's as far as like I I think how how do how do I talk about this without getting into the ending? Yeah, um, so there's a the big reveal I won't say here. Yeah, we really have to talk around that. There was uh, the element of what the story was really about. I think we kind of were circling around from different angles mm-hmm. because I was worried about how whether or not readers would buy it mm-hmm. because the stuff that you were you're, you were playing with were, were such like long right large l- long times yeah. uh long times uh, l- large large amounts of time right uh stuff that was like right. well like, i don't right. know if this really flies right and, like you know. so for example who cares if the wayne's uh seized gotham in a murky way back right. in the 1600s yeah Who the hell care it's like exactly the, yeah the equivalent would be like uh <clears throat> anderson cooper is a vanderbilt right mm-hmm. let's yeah. say anderson cooper is like the bruce wayne of new york city right let's mm-hmm. say and let's say that we found out the vanderbilt in the 1600s you know did something to control new york or it was really new york while that's an interesting story you would we expect anderson cooper to just right backpedal <laughs> yeah. give me a break it's yeah. 300 years ago yeah the, the, so the quest the, the the trick was how do you make that stuff matter now mm-hmm. and i it was uh uh it was really tricky for me because i i felt like while that stuff was interesting it didn't have that you know like you're saying that one sentence pitch yeah that really gets the hooks into you yeah and so we started as as we were talking about it we we pushed that stuff closer and closer to the front of the story mm-hmm. because uh my my feelings about it were just get it out there yeah put um it establishes what Azrael's about and it frees you from having to save that mm-hmm. for a reveal later in the story that right. may or may not land because right. it's kind of a huge concept to wrap your brain around and yeah if that's if you're saving it for like the last issue and then you're like what right why is he's He's mad because of something that happened 500 years ago? Yeah, yeah. It, it just, has to be present now, Yeah, even though a long time has passed. It has to bother somebody like Azrael and Bruce Wayne yeah. to give, give the stakes meaning. Yeah, so establishing it the way you did as sort of like, 
it's it's a big revelation, but what it's really doing is kicking off Asriel's, you know, whole journey. Right. I think allows you to kind of um use Asriel and Batman use Asriel as a force against Batman without relying on this big like info right. dump twist thing. Yeah, exactly. Because now, because now, Asriel is the uh, embodiment of all of the doubts that Batman has about mm-hmm. what he's doing, about what his family's been doing, and all this kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um. And you don't have to uh sit around for seven issues going, I wonder what Asriel's deal is. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 And that's the thing too is that Asriel doesn't say a lot in my book so far. I mean, in issue eight, I I want to have a lot of talk between him and Bruce as they're fighting. Mm-hmm. Um getting to know who Azrael really is because we only have brief um, brief instances where he emotes otherwise he's sure. just quoting biblical verse whatever you know? yeah. so we don't really know Azrael and that's why I wanted to talk about the last issue is like what would he say what is the story really about how mm-hmm. would he get to Bruce you know what are the stakes here and how is Bruce possibly going to beat him um, but yeah it, I, so I remember when we were on the plane you convinced me to get rid of Jason Todd. And what my, my setup for Jason Todd was the first scene or the first issue, it starts out with Bruce uh, going to meet Jason mm-hmm. and, and tracking him down. And he finds out Jason's like a personal bodyguard to the stars. So he, um, he was, he had like a backstory that he was like a male prostitute or something for a while. Didn't he? Yeah. He, he was, or he was guarding this sleeping. Woman. Yeah. That's he was, was guarding this woman who was a super wealthy, golden age actress who liked him and he was paying for it. And he was a bodyguard, but there was also stuff going on basically. And she would get drunk and cause trouble and he would break it up. And you know, it was that kind of relationship. Yeah. So I, I, I thought, man, I really, people really love Jason Todd and Bruce should absolutely address this as soon as possible. Yeah. But it just didn't fit. Yeah. Plus I have so, so many characters to deal with between Nightwing and Gordon and Bullock and Duke and all these people. Um, part of the reason I started killing them off mm-hmm. <laughs> was because I knew it would have great impact. I, uh, I knew that Batman being Batman would have consequences. And I think that in a book like mine, it's a, why not kill people off? Cause this is sure. the only time you get to do it. Yeah. Uh, until they're like, you want to do more. And then yeah. you go, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's murder. nobody left. <laughs> well, someone, one of the reviews said, uh, Sean is, uh, slaying all the sacred cows because mm-hmm. you're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. In white knight, every issue just breaks more rules and people seem to love it as long as you can keep it reeled in in, in a yeah. way you know yeah um but yeah the other reason i'm killing off characters is because i'm just there's just too many honestly yeah. and i can't imagine writing jla and throwing superman in on top of all this like jesus christ like I, when i was going through that phase of like how many freaking characters do i need to keep track of here you know we're all watching avengers movies and i'm just so amazed how they're able to tackle like 40 different characters yeah with big epic battle scenes and have small moments yeah. where they get a quick little solo, mm-hmm. so to speak, and you feel like, ah, okay, good. Now we know how Captain America really feels. Yeah. That is really hard to do. Real hard. Yeah. I can't believe the first the first Avengers movie, I remember thinking when it was over, I was just like, I can't believe that worked. Yeah. You know, and that was only with like five guys. Right. Or f- six characters or something. Right, right. It wasn't what it eventually ended up being where it was yeah, every yeah. character they owned. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because like the, the most um intimate you get with characters is usually when they're by themselves or with one or two other people mm-hmm. 
So you have to write in speed bumps in the script where like, all right, the rest of the team is here. And meanwhile, Scarlet yeah. Witch and the Hulk are here yeah. fixing this. And that's when they get to have a heart to heart. And then Captain America breaks it up or mm-hmm. interrupts whatever. Like you're always looking for like quick delays where you get quiet time with one or two or three characters. And yep. that's when the emotional action starts to happen. Yeah. And I think the Marvel stuff, I think they, I think they know as well that the most interesting things about groups of characters is splitting them up. Yeah. And, you know, because that's why Empire Strikes Back works so well is because it immediately breaks everybody up until they have to come back together. Yeah. Or it seems like they're going to come back, but they don't. And uh, that is even harder to write. Yeah. Because then you've got different stories happening that you have to find time for everybody to kind of have their own story work and then how right. that ties back together. And so it gets kind of difficult. So, yeah, when you've got yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven good guys. In White Knight. Okay. I and, thought you were counting Avengers. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's like seven seven GTO people you have, including yeah. Batman, Robin, or yep. Nightwing, Batgirl, the GTO, and everything. Yeah. That's all kind of going at the same time. Plus, mm-hmm. you've got the Joker and Azra. Yeah. So you've got, you've got plenty to work with. <laughs> yeah. I got enough. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad that we cut uh, Jason Todd. Mm-hmm. I, uh, he is in volume two. He makes an appearance at the end that is a meaningful appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's too spoilery. Spoilery. Um, I, I, my, what I wanted, I wanted to do with Jason Todd. I had big plans for him when you started. Okay, tell me what you out. wanted, for Jason. No, Todd. I, I wanted, I wanted Jason Todd to to basically be um, Apollo Creed in Rocky Three. Uh-huh. So when, uh, um, when Batman <laughs> is at his lowest point, Jason Todd comes back. And basically gives him the Apollo Creed or, you know, Adrian pep talk to get back up onto the horse. And then he goes back and goes into battle with Batman, but he's he's out of shape and he's mm-hmm. old and he's kind of bad at yeah, it. Yeah, you wanted uh, Jason, Fat Jason Todd. Very much so. Yeah, yes. and you wanted him to show up in the Robin costume, too, the, uh, somewhere in there, right? I, I don't remember. I can't remember. I, I feel like maybe, I don't know if that was me, uh, right. but I definitely wanted him to be not in peak physical condition because i find that right. a lot more interesting yeah, yeah yeah um maybe for a question later uh i was gonna ask you what your opinions are on should batman always be one step ahead of everybody or do you find it kind of a little ludicrous and maybe he's better when he's slightly flawed um i think it's i mean all characters are better when they're flawed yeah. you know being being one step ahead of people is is great for a, a dramatic twist you know Mm-hmm. Um, and if you if you can play your story, so that's sort of part of the point of it that he's one step ahead of everybody. That's that's great too. Um, but I don't think I mean he's a he's human. You know right. he's yeah. he's the world's greatest detective, but right. that doesn't mean he's the world's greatest everything. Well, that's the thing that uh, I, I I don't understand certain reviewers readers. And for the for the record, I have like ninety percent positive reviews, mm-hmm. but I am always curious when I miss. When I lose someone, I want to know why. And if they're just, this isn't my Batman, that's like, all right, I'm not going to pay attention to you. But if yeah. they have legit points, like, this is why Batman, like, I'm, I'm willing to listen. Um, but when people always, they like to think that Bruce is always two steps ahead of everybody. Mm-hmm. So if you identify Superman, somehow Bruce would have known it and gotten that kryptonite ready. Or somehow yeah. he, if you, with enough planning, Batman could beat anybody. See, I, I, I like that. I've yeah. always been a fan of that. But that doesn't mean that he always has enough time to plan. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. If if given enough time to plan, sure, Batman could beat Superman. Right. But what if Superman right. surprises him? <laughs> but I've, I've never seen a Batman. Superman's that's like, real fast. Yeah, <laughs> he really is. 
But I've never seen a Bruce Wayne that was like, all right, I'm Batman, Batman for decades. All right, um, getting a little aggressive here. Um, things are a little out of control, but mm-hmm. whatever. Things just seem to work out. He goes in with a half plan sometimes yeah. and manages to improv his way out. And technically, knock on wood, no one's ever died. Mm-hmm. But I've always liked that idea of sometimes he fucks up and like, sure. things don't go the way he plans and he has to get himself out of it. Um, and my Bruce was so emotionally compromised um, that I think a lot of readers, some readers didn't like it because they think that Bruce is more of a planner than my Bruce. Mm-hmm. My Bruce is a little bit, a lot, a lot more improv sure. and he fucks up a lot. And some of that fucking up includes abandoning his family, his closest friends or allies or whatever. Or in White Knight, he just sees red in one scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, his home has been infiltrated by Neo Joker and Hatter. He gets in the car, just chases after them and runs them off the road of the bridge. Right. And hits a boat and the boat hits the bridge um, support and this bridge starts falling down. Um, that was definitely way too... That, that, is, that was a lot for people to accept. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ, Batman just took down. But you know... I went back and watched Batman Begins, and one of the first times you see the um, the Batmobile, he literally drives over a police car with two people in it. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. like, talk about reckless. Yeah, or like, in, ba- or in how The Dark Knight, when he, is it, I th- yeah, after when he turns into the, the, the bike, mm-hmm. he comes blasting out of the Batmobile. Yeah. And just starts like knocking cars out of the way. Yeah. He's just like driving between cars and yeah. then just flying bam, bam, off the road. Bam. Yeah. Uh, thank God everyone's wearing seatbelts. Yeah. And just thank God most of those cars yeah. don't have people in them, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Like him being super aggro and causing a lot of um, damage is interesting to me. Yeah. And for my books, I really wanted to lean into that and have Joker sort of use that against him. Because, I mean, and I think the thing that's important too is you're not playing that like it's a positive. Like his him being him overreacting and being over emotional and making mistakes. It's not like you're saying, yeah, my version of Batman, the Batman that I love, is one who's just like fucking people up all the time. It's like, <laughs> no, because it, it's not like he does that and comes out unscathed. Right. Know? Yeah. He in both stories he has to yeah come to certain conclusions about himself before he can kind of yeah. move forward. I mean, the last issue, his his actions get Batgirl really injured. Yeah. Because he acts on instinct and yeah. then doesn't act right. because of his no killing yeah. thing, and it ends up getting Batgirl's back broken. Yeah, spoilers. My uh, my Batman is a bit more of a meathead mm-hmm. than other Batmans. Um, there was an episode of uh, Batman animated series season four when he gets hit with this uh, fear toxin, where it takes away his fear, and he's mm. acting way too. He's like walking into gunfire and flying the bat plane like a maniac, and Robin ends up having to like tie him up. He's like, "You're out of control. I'm gonna yeah. take it from here, whatever." Um. My Batman, especially in Volume 1, has always been that version of Bruce. Yeah. He hasn't been hit by the neurotoxin or whatever, but it's just him doing this way too long. And he's most, he's luckily managed to not kill anybody, but he's damn lucky. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I think if, if, I think if you stick it out till the end of this story, uh, as a reader, you'll see that he makes a fairly big change as far as how he, yeah, sees himself and 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 what his actions uh, right have done and and what yeah. is what it might be the 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 new correct way to handle this right. kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, so that's the um, what I wanted to talk to you about later is mm-hmm. um, the big theme. One of them that I can see the big question that keeps popping up is Bruce Wayne asking myself, "Who am I?" Mm-hmm. Um, 
and more so than other stories because every Batman story is basically who is Bruce Wayne. Sure. But this one goes back to the 1600s. Right. Uh, he is directly, he had just been attacked by Joker for, who are you? You're this guy that creates collateral damage. You're the guy that makes it all worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far, Batman is, my Batman is not a murderer. Asriel is. Mm-hmm. You know, Asriel's sort of another version of Batman that's like 1% more deadly and, yep. you know, murdering people left and right, whatever. Um, and to echo that, one of the big questions in the story is, is Batman going to come out? And um, I don't know when I came, like, came out as being gay. Closet? Yeah. <laughs> like Mac. <laughs> oh, I, I, I missed that part of the outline. I mean, that's great. Yeah, when he's going to come out as Batman. It explains a Wayne. lot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, definitely explains some of those Robin costumes. <laughs> no, but uh, the first issue, the first volume ended where he came out to Gordon, and I thought, well, where would he go from there? Sure. And what if he was hell bent on to make up for all of his mistakes? He was going to come clean and tell Gotham who he was. Mm-hmm. But I can't do that in issue one, so I need to have obstacles in front of Batman for why he can't do it just yet. And that was another big trick of writing this, was I need plausible reasons why he, he wants to, but he can't. Right. So one of the barriers is Gordon says, don't do it. Nightwing says, don't do it. Um, he, uh, Ruth comes to him and yep. says, do you understand the FBI? Like, what yeah. is going to happen? Like, you, yeah. you're, you think crime is bad now. Wait till the biggest company in Gotham goes under and thousands mm-hmm. of people are left without jobs. Yep. And I, I think I put out some pretty plausible... Um, reasons why Batman should not come out. At best, he should just go away. Just stop. Yeah, that's honestly probably the best case scenario. Right, yeah. just, it goes away. But yeah. as he learns more and more about the 1600s, he starts to realize that there's a lot more going on. He doesn't feel worthy of his name, his fortune, his mm-hmm. whatever. You know, That's sort of what Joker is putting to him. Um, I think it was you who came up with the phrase, the greatest joke in Gotham mm-hmm. that was never told or something like that. Yeah, I'll take credit for that, sure. Yeah. I think it, well, I had I know I wanted the scene where they find a body in Joker's cell. I mm-hmm. know that I wanted to be the, the vampire esque. Yeah. Um That was another thing that I think we dialed back a bit because I think a, yeah. initially it was there was some sort of <laughs> mystical transference. Well it was implied. Yeah. So when Joker touches the blood, he feels like the the blood transferred. So Laffy Arkham is sort of the Joker of the sixteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. He felt that when he touched the blood it it made him the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, now he views it that way, but Batman would say you're just inspired by him. There's sure. no mystical whatever to that blood, right? Um, yeah, but that that was that was another part that I thought that that really needed to be kind of tied down is yeah. like what is because you don't want to get into the you don't want to fall into the trap of you have a story that you want to tell, so then your characters are just telling the story. Mm-hmm. For the sake of telling the story, you right. know that, and so we needed to make sure that the, those beats play really felt grounded as to how they played into the actual mm-hmm. mainline story that you were telling. Yeah, you know, so if you took all the sixteen hundred stuff out, yeah, it wouldn't just you wouldn't see uh, it wouldn't feel like nothing changed. Right, you know that if you're going to do the sixteen hundred stuff, it has to have a real point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was also the trick too. Is uh, even though I want to draw Castlevania, it needs to be important because yeah. people are going to be bored to tears if it's not. Right. Does the story actually need these flashbacks? Yeah. Um, is it just that it's interesting and cool to see Gotham as a village, or is there a real reason why 
readers need to see this stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I, I argue, yes, and we I tried to bolster as much as I could. Yeah. I think I started thinking about it like a game of Clue. So in Joker's cell, he finds, you know, the candlestick in the ballroom, you know, with the, it was, you know, the victim, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, so they have a set of clues, and then there's this journal, which is like a classic, like, you know, Indiana Jones-esque type sure. thing. I'm a big fan of magic books. It's my favorite. <laughs> my favorite piece of uh, exposition in a movie is when they find a book and read it out of the book. Oh, yeah? Love like it. Like an evil dead? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, I had the journal incomplete. Uh, I I didn't... What else did I have? I knew I had the sword for Azrael. Um, the medallion, of course. I was trying to figure out which clue pieces to put in the cave and yeah. how they were dispersed. And thinking of, like, trying to figure out that map of where it's supposed to go, it's almost like designing a board game in a way. Mm. Uh, and where, which clues are going to go to whom and when are they going to be revealed. And that's just, that's more complicated than I ever wanted it to be. But yeah. as I got through each issue, it started to be more clear which clues to cut out and, you know, I kind of streamlined it, I guess. Yeah, and, I, and the, the stuff with the Joker, um, I, I, I hopefully, when the explanation of that, that, you know, the greatest joke never told kind of thing yeah. plays out, it'll, it'll yeah. be as satisfying as, as, uh, as it was m- built up to be. Yeah, I think it is. I just, uh, yeah, that's, it's all revealed in issue six and issue seven and eight is sort of the aftermath. And yeah. Bruce having to come to terms with this information. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I've seen one person online guess the ending. Really? Yeah. Interesting. No one else. <laughs> it's like, uh, when, uh, when the, who shot Mr. Burns, there was one, <laughs> one person who got it. Yeah. Yeah. Who was it? Uh, it was some, it was, again, it was somebody online in the early days of the internet. Yeah. They, they had like a send in your guesses and there was one person who got it right right yeah and i think and didn't just guess like figured it out or right. something too or at least not oh wow like okay yeah. huh um that's interesting i we'll have to talk about that when yeah, we're done because yeah. i'd be curious to, to hear yeah. more about that when i came up with the um big twist at the end and i told my editors there i almost feel bad talking about the fact that there's another twist because now like right the thi- you're gonna Shyamalan, you're gonna forecast yeah the thing and, and like that, part oh, of the whole time and part of putting so much information up front is because mm-hmm. You know, you, well, you kind of you kind of want right. to uh, not telegraph that something else is coming. Well, so here's the the trick to it that I found. Right, that's why mm-hmm. I'm okay talking about it. I'm not going to spoil it. Sure, but if you leave enough um, side roads in the script, or people mm-hmm. are like, ooh, what if it's there's more to the cult of Saint Dumas? Mm-hmm. Ooh, what if there's more of it? What if Joker? Uh, for a while, they thought Laffy never died, and he was the Joker. So mm-hmm. there's so many um, side roads that the viewer, the reader, could take. That I don't think they're gonna, yeah, get get to the big the big reveal at the yeah. end. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Turns Maybe. out, <laughs> Batgirl <laughs> is the Joker. <laughs> yeah, or someone said that uh, Clayface didn't die because Clayface, one of the people that wasn't arrested at the end of Volume One, so what if Clayface yeah. is doing this whole thing? And, Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. But I gotta say, the nice thing is, um. I've n- none of my books have ever been reviewed as predictable. Mm-hmm. It's very much like people read it and go, I have no idea where this is going. Which can be a nice. good thing and a bad thing. Yeah. Like if, as long as you pull it off, then yeah. that's great. But yeah. you know, if, <laughs> but you need to, if the, if the, the leading quote for your work is I've got no idea what's going on. Right. No, like in lost and lost, it was too much. Yes. Like yeah. you can have yeah. a confusing plot, but you need to give people, um, treats for going so far as they have. Each mm-hmm. issue has to give them something like, Oh, okay, good. I get a, I get this question answered. If they're yeah. loaded up with so many questions, 
and there are no answers and the answers are coming in three issues, they're going to bail on you. Yeah. Because how often, no one wants to sit through a movie confused. You got to have some kind of payoff. Right, right. You know, and that, that's the trick to writing this stuff is giving them small payoffs where they're going to keep forging forward, you know? Yeah. Speaking of questions, should we jump into questions yeah. and answer? Take a quick break and we'll come back with some questions. The eyes of justice are watching. It's Batman. Two faces on a firing frenzy. Charging into action is combat belt, Batman. You just got on my bad side, Batman. Tough luck. Great save. The eyes of justice are watching. <gasps> it's Batman and the invincible hoverback. No contest. Capture Claude. Two faces off to serve double time. The eyes of justice, Batman. Figures and vehicle each sold separately. So, first question is from Clay, fan of the show, first time, long time. You? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, it was just piggybacking off the off the curse of the White Knight discussion. Yep. Um, one of the things that kind of made me hesitant about the uh, all of the the monster stuff and and you know all of this flashback stuff is that I was worried that the stuff that people really liked about the first one mm-hmm. wasn't going to be there for the second one because you know you had introduced neo joker and she's nowhere to be seen and all right that. do you do you feel do you feel like you made the right decision just keeping that stuff to the side i'm not saying you didn't i'm just yeah. curious how you feel about it um it changes yeah i uh is there a more appropriate sequel that has more connection to volume one maybe yeah you know doing this castlevania uh flashback thing might not have been the right move, but um, I think by the halfway through the the book, it, people are going to start seeing Volume One pop up again yeah, in some ways yeah. because it's like, oh, that's why we're seeing this sixteen hundred stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why it's still a political book. It's still sure, about yeah. consequences and all yeah. that stuff. It's not. It's not as overtly political, but the stuff right. that you're doing still is fairly yeah political. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I wanted to steer clear of it so they wouldn't compete yeah. you know like um with the way that alien doesn't compete with aliens sure is they're just two different genres in a way yeah um yeah i think i think what you said earlier is kind of dead on where it's it's the first one is more of a political thriller and this yeah. one's it's the same universe it's just something a little bit different yeah and i think trying to force those characters in just yeah. for the sake of putting them in there uh you know why bother yeah why why lessen those characters when right. you can uh when when they don't they don't really feel organic to the story you're telling yeah. this time around i think that my what i'm good at as a writer and what might be the downfall to a story a future story perhaps mm-hmm. is i think i'm good at seeing scenes in my head that are interesting and coming up with good elevator pitches mm-hmm. in small ways like what if bruce wayne this what if Azrael that but sometimes those pitches are not related right but in my books, I take things that don't seem related and I make them related. Yeah. So in volume one, it's like, what if Joker was a good guy? And then totally unconnected. What if there were two Harleys? Yeah. Those ideas have nothing to do with each other. Right. But so the trick, oh, and then what if Mr. Freeze used to be a Nazi? Right. Those three ideas are not related at all. They sound mm-hmm. like three different books. But what I wanted to do was find a way that was compelling, tie it in. Like right. People went into reading the first issue like, it opens up with Batman in jail with his mask on. Like, no way this is ever going to be explained to me. This is crazy. 
And as you read the second, third, fourth issues, you start to be like, all right, you know what? Joker's making good points. Right. I, I thought that first scene where Batman was in jail was insane, but now I can see a plausible reason why he's there. Mm-hmm. And like, you have to convince people um, slowly that this ridiculous uh, proposition actually makes sense if they can just stick with it, you know? Yeah. And to my reader's credit, like when Curse came out, they were like, okay, this isn't quite the sequel I thought it would be, right. but I like the art and I'm going to hang with it. And to their credit, they did. And now it's paying off. Yeah. I hope. And I think that the trick is making sure, you know, like, like we were saying about the other stuff, making sure when you put those ideas together, yeah. that they feel like they're of one piece. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I think we might've talked about this at another point, but, um, the first volume you have a, uh, is it this month or next month that the, the Mr. Freeze one shots coming out this month, this yeah. month. There's a it's a spin-off tale from the world of the White Knight yep. about Mr. Freeze and his whole backstory in World War II, which originally was in, entirely in the first yeah. cha- first volume of <laughs> White Knight. Yeah. And came at a very late point in the story. Yeah. And it was just like five pages of flashback that was a great story. Right. But didn't at that point in the story really lend itself yeah. to what was going on. I had a 11 page flashback in issue seven of volume one yeah and my editor fought me on it and you did too and um in the end my editor said yeah i don't think this belongs in the story i think you're coming up to the end here you're checking off boxes i don't think you need to get into this whole new thing yeah and i'm talking to you about it and i realized you know i was hanging on to it because i was stubborn and because i didn't think i'd ever get to write draw batman again Mm -hmm. so i wanted to really nail down this idea that Mr. Freeze's dad was like Baron Von Braun sure. from the uh, Operation Paperclip because I was afraid someone else was going to do it. Yeah. So I shoved it into the story more than I should have, but I did cut out those 11 pages and I turned it into this one shot with Klaus mm-hmm. and got to expand it to 46 pages. Yeah, I think. and I think, yeah. you know, I, 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 uh, I think the stuff, because I, I think I pitched the same idea to you regarding Jason Todd. Right. Because you, you were telling me all the stuff you wanted to do with Jason Todd and I'm like, I feel like this is its own thing. I, I, yeah. I feel like you could do an entire one yeah. shot with Jason Todd showing what happened to him. Right. Yeah. That feels more, you yeah. know, it doesn't jam it in there. So maybe, but, you know, that's, maybe that's an like, option. It, it, it takes adjustment to realize that you're successful and stop that panicky feeling of like, I got to put it in this issue. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's tricky because, you know, it's a very unstable career being an artist and a writer in comics, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I understand the instinct when writers first get onto a book, they want to put in their greatest ideas all in the, the first story arc. And I can see why it's tempting because you don't know when you're going to get fired. Yeah. Like you want to dunk while you can. Um, if you knew you had the support of the company for a steady five years, then you could pepper your great ideas over those five years. Perhaps, sure. You know? Sure. And that was me um, acting insecure because yeah. I thought that no, one, I'm, no one's going to give me a sequel to this. After I'm done Batman, I'm going to go back writing trying for scott you know blah 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 yeah yeah uh first question is um batman comic story that you would want to see translated directly into live action maybe i should take that because you don't read batman comics right (laughs) go ahead clay (laughs) uh i you know uh that's a tough one i because i would love i think i speak for a lot of people in saying i would love a straight adaptation of the dark knight returns i think it's too late to do it now because it's been so mm-hmm. disseminated into everything else like elements have popped up in basically every version of batman they've done but they've never straight up done that yeah um i think nightfall would have been would have been really cool i mean yeah. they already kind of i don't really think you can do bane again 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Nightfall with Azrael would have been kind of cool. Yeah. Um, live action. I. You know what? I'm gonna. I'd see Gotham. Gotham by Gaslight for me. Gotham by Gaslight would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. My wife is uh probably going to be writing some DC stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a trained writer. She's a erotic romance writer, and um, I have her reading all these comics. So I'm going through my shit, trying to like, all right, what's my wife been doing? Like, can't have anything too macho. It has to be female characters, in sure. it, of course. And I stopped at all of Mignola's work because I'm like, well, this is a good example of clarity and storytelling. Yeah. No one yeah. would ever doubt that he's not a clear storyteller. Right. And she's really into like Victorian murder type stuff. So I uh, I pretty much was convinced that she would like it. And I reread it recently and it absolutely holds up. Yeah. And I'd nice. love to see it. Yeah. Uh, I know the rumor is that the new Batman movie is uh, might be an adaptation of The Long Halloween. Oh, yeah. Which is really interesting. Yeah. I think that one's kind of tough because you've got every Batman character that, ever that in it. That should be a 12-part Netflix series. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now- Each honestly, issue is a different villain. Yeah. If they did, they've got- uh, Warner Brothers has that HBO yeah. Max thing that they're pushing. Yeah. Yeah. Do a 12-episode Batman yeah. Maxi series. They should awesome. do that. Yeah. yeah. They should do that. Um, If I had- I was- You said Gotham by Gaslight, which is an Else, Elseworlds mm-hmm. story. I was going to say- Swing for the fence, and how about the one where Batman turns into a vampire? The Kelly Jones book, uh, oh, yeah. Red, Red Rain, or something like that. Oh, that yeah, book yeah. is completely insane. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think uh, Gotham by Gaslight would be really cool. Yeah, would be a cool one. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the top of the mountain for Elseworlds stories, as far as most uh, Batman academics are concerned. Yeah, it's 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 pretty high up there. It's it's very good. For that matter, uh, Mike Mignola through a uh, alien story called alien salvation yes every time they have a new alien movie i'm like just do salvation it's perfect just do it the way it is written by dave keen um i believe i can't remember i have it yeah. in my stat i pull it out but it's I'll, great I'll but it anyway yeah there's this like religious spin to it where this guy who crash lands uh and i guess they did sort of the religious thing in alien resurrection with uh winona Ryder's character that's right. Yeah, they do kind of do that, don't they? Yeah, she always crosses herself. After she has like a, a candle set up in a side room where she worships. And I can see what they were trying to go for, but I'm not sure if they stuck the landing on that one. Yeah. And I like Resurrection. I will defend that movie, and I'm like the only one. <laughs> it's actually it's actually not unwatchable. It's It was better than I remember it being. Yeah. Just get rid of the last 15 minutes. You're fine. Uh, I know we had a a question about it, but I can't seem to find it, so I'll just ballpark it. Um, is there because the Gotham by Gaslight reminded me? Is there a direct story behind adding the collar to the Batman costume? Yes. Is it just because of that, or so? Um, page one, volume one. I drew Batman driving into Arkham Asylum, and I deliberately drew Arkham as Dracula's castle mm-hmm. type of place, partially because of the mood. Um. But I wanted to toy with this subconscious idea that Batman is a vampire and he's sort of feeding off of Gotham. Um, even though he is doing good deeds and he's on the right side of history, still sucking the blood out of Gotham in some way. And to mirror that further, I thought, well, this collar, this Dracula-esque collar would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I also have a history of drawing characters with really high-pop collars. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to Hellblazer, I drew Constantine yeah, with true. Yeah. Just having like this high edge and a collar that comes up to the cheekbones, it saves you a lot of work. Yes. It, uh, it's great <laughs> shadow casting on the face, mm-hmm. and it's just sort of edgy and mysterious. And even now when I get, you and I have a, a winter jacket, leather jacket fetish. Mm-hmm. Anytime uh, there's a new character with like a high collar, we're always like switching JPEG, exchanging JPEGs. 
Yeah. We were in a bar once and I saw a guy wearing the uh, Blade Runner 2049 jacket and you were like 50 feet away and I like didn't even know if you saw me and you looked at me and you were like, you gave me an like, I see it. The guy's awesome. <laughs> Could you get away with that though, that jacket in a real bar or is it too fanboy? Yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's why I love the, uh, the Wrath of Khan jacket. Yeah. Uh, the Kirk's away, away team jacket. Cause right. it's got this ridiculous big white yeah. collar. It's awesome. It's yeah. great. My buddy uh, just dressed up as Han Solo for Halloween nice. and he got a Han Solo jacket, mm-hmm. which is very wearable uh, in the real world and you won't get called on it, but nerds will know it, yeah. it. But it's not so out there, you know? Well, that's, that's, that threading that needle is very important. Yeah. <laughs> just a little, just the right amount of nerdy. Yes. Uh, if you had to personally retcon Batman's origin, what would be your pitch? Would he be a hero or a villain? Who would his main antagonist be, et cetera? That's a, a big question. So you're going to retcon Batman's origin. Yeah. So Ret- uh, retcon implies that you're changing the details, but keeping the everything else kind of the same. I I can't. Right. So if, would you want his parents to live? No. So they have to die. Yes. Uh, well, see, that's the thing. If you're retconning, <laughs> like the yeah. Batman, the the one sentence pitch for Batman is Bruce Wayne's parents are murdered. Yeah. So he decides to avenge their death by fighting crime. Can't really touch that. Yeah, man. it's pretty pretty succinct. That's pretty much stone. Um, um, they so they did uh, in Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. They did an inversion of it where uh, Bruce and Martha get killed, and Bat and Thomas Wayne becomes Batman. Mm. And he's a much dark. Oh wait, no, actually, I think Martha went. Bruce dies. I think Martha actually becomes the Joker because you know what the hell? Why not? Oh, that's dark. Yeah. Um, and, and that Batman, that version of Batman is very, yeah. is a lot, a lot darker. I think he right. kills people. It's just a, a much darker yeah. character. See, that's the tough thing is, I think you're, it's, uh, uh, it's trying to reinvent the wheel really. Like yeah. as far as superhero origin stories go, it's pretty tight. And if right. you, if you start moving pieces around, right. You know, the, like the closest you can really get is to be like, well, what if the Joker killed his parents? Right. It's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, sure, we can do that. Yeah, but as long yeah. as his parents die and he yeah. still turns into Batman, it's yeah, like I, the details are really the only thing you can really right. change without completely yeah. revamping everything. So I, I agree. There's some stuff you really can't touch. His parents got to go. He has to train. Um, I think it makes sense that he doesn't kill. Um, I, oh, sorry, finish with you. You could saying. argue that. The one thing I want to retcon is Batman's okay taking lives. But for me, mm-hmm. that makes him the Punisher. Yeah. Uh, the one big change that I would make, I would make him poor. Because I think the way poor Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. reacts to that versus the way ultra-rich Bruce Wayne reacts to that could right. be very different. Right. I think the outcome is probably similar, but I think the, the, the journey for the character is probably a little bit different. Because he doesn't... Not having yeah. the... Uh, all of the benefits and, and uh, privilege of money to allow right. him to go off and train right. with, you know, yeah. Ducard up in the mountains it's, and shit. It's you know? funny. That's one thing I'm going to get into in my final issue of Curse is mm-hmm. Azrael, John Paul Valley is basically Bruce Wayne, but more, more, but he's willing to go an extra, the extra distance yeah. and actually kill, but he doesn't have money. Mm. He's like Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne didn't have money. What would he have done? Gone in the military traveled the world maybe he would have ended up a lot like john paul right and that's kind of the thread i want to pull at for the finale yeah yeah see what's that's interesting because i think the difference is that 
Bruce Wayne always has a, a goal in mind. Yeah. Like his goal is I'm going to learn what I need to learn in order to fight crime to avenge yeah. my parents. John Paul Valley doesn't have that. Right. So he's a lot more a lot more of a frayed edge. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, the one thing I would retcon I think would be the idea of Robins in general. Okay. I yeah. think that the idea of uh let's have a kid is colorful, whatever. Like that makes sense in nineteen forty or fifty or mm-hmm. whatever, but hindsight that's the tough that does not age well batman putting children in harm's way putting them in bright colored costumes yes <laughs> especially yeah i think i could use some more explanation would honestly. you would you keep the concept or would you just tweak it so it's just like a comparable age character oh i see so robin would be about bruce's yeah or maybe like a little bit younger so if, if yeah. bruce is like 30 robin would oh. be like 20 yeah what do you think um i think it i think it works i think it's you know, it helps. You're right. Yeah, it because helps. I think the the biggest benefit to the Robin character is it gives someone for Batman to talk to, yep. and a counterpoint to his yeah. uh, point of view and 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 his uh, energy and stuff. Right. Um, and I think especially if if I'm if I'm playing in the world of my revamped poor Batman, uh, <laughs> it all. I mean, yeah, if he, if he meets someone at the soup line who also wants to fight crime, sure, no, not, not, maybe not that poor. But yeah. but yeah, I can see him having someone else who ends up gravitating into his circle. Right. Uh, the thing that I always find interesting, because you, know, you can't just have a TV show about one person, I guess, but mm-hmm. um, all of the DC television shows, even the ones who are characters, about characters who are fairly... Uh, loners like mm-hmm. batwoman or green arrow they all end up with teams and mm-hmm. they all end up with teams of people who know who they are very quickly yeah and I, obviously you got to do that because that's the show but yeah. it does bring in bring into the, uh, the equation that idea where it's like well if you s- if you meet someone who is an asset to you who has a similar mindset yeah i mean why not draft them and if they're you know if they're on the same team why not right like yeah. a 12 year old probably not a 12 year old yeah yeah. Um, let's see. <laughs> Two part question. Uh what would a Clay McCormick Batman book be like? Did you ask this question yourself? I did not. No, this is from Twitter. From at Dead Meat Comic. Wait. <laughs> um what would a Clay McCormick Batman book be like? Uh does Sean have his own take on the Batman Beyond suit slash world or would he keep it close to the original? Um Batman I mean, now I now I want to do poor Batman. Now that I've started talking about it, I want to start from the ground up. Yeah. Um, I think my Batman would be fairly low tech, um, because I don't like drawing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I I like the I like the 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 down and dirty kind of grittier yeah. Batman. Yeah. Um, not that I don't like the other stuff like like the Kelly Jones vampire Batman. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. The bigger the ears, the better. The gritty lends itself to your style. Yeah. Um, I, I, I find, I think visually that's the way I would want to go, and storyline-wise, story I think I would want to go the same way. I think we, you and I actually ended up circling around the same concept at some point, which was love to do a Batman, or I think I was saying what they should do with the next Batman movie mm-hmm. is have bat, like an, like some, some, something happen where Batman doesn't have any gadgets. Right. So he's gotta be more of like a you know ground and pound street level fighter right and then we you know you're kind of like oh i had a similar you know, we kind of we're talking yeah, about yeah. that and i think that's kind of 
where I would where my Batman would live to a certain extent. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the ideas I'm toying with with Beyond. Uh, so Volume Three. I'm. I was going to call it Legacy of the White Knight, but now I'm going to call it Beyond the White Knight. Yeah, Batman Beyond makes sense. And get into Terry. Get into the flying car and mm-hmm. um, that suit. Um, and this isn't too spoilery, but when Bruce becomes Batman again, and at this point he's like. 60, 70, whatever. He is now the lowest tech person yeah. in Gotham. And yeah. he's like not even showing up on radar. And everyone has laser phaser guns that are, you know, every street lamp is, it's, you know, hard. he's just off the grid. So the only tech he has on him is a suit that hides his body temperature, um, which explains why Terry's mouth is covered up unless he opens his mouth. Sure. When he shuts his lips. It's like there's no heat source. He's right, right. basically. See, the idea is that Bruce is now low-tech. All cops are basically armed better than Batman. All, they have technology, internet, whatever, cameras. The city is wired, but because he's old school, they have a hard time finding him. He's like mm. a ghost in a way, which is sort of my idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had um, my, my buddy Dan and I uh, worked up this pitch for, um, well, it's not a pitch. It was just an idea for Punisher meets Judge Dredd, uh-huh. which amazingly they've never done. I'm surprised. Yeah. And so the idea was uh, Frank Castle gets inexplicably rocketed in, into the future. So as, he ends up as in, you do. Yeah. Ends up in Mega City One. <laughs> and uh, in, this, in this incarnation, Mega City One has been built up on the bones of all of the older cities. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the lower you go into the bowels of the city, the more retro it gets. So the buildings turn into brick and you start seeing, like, Telephone yeah. wire, old telephone wires. Yeah, that. yeah, that's a. And uh, Spider Man 299 did that. Oh, they did? Yeah, the oh, more well. closer you go to the ground, the older, the more brick you find. Oh, well, I guess. It's not, I, a, and they weren't the first either. It's yeah. okay. Well, anyway. But do it. <laughs> yeah, the point of the story was like uh, uh, the, the judges can't handle these super high tech bad guys. And so the Frank Castle being there ends up getting pulled into the, the judges for whatever reason and helping yeah. them. And the way he ends up defeating them is by drawing them down into the bowels of the city, right. basically drawing them back in time. Right. And so everything's a lot closer. Yeah. Uh, there's lots more wires, so like yeah. they're flying things believe, and shit start getting caught up and everything. You know, they did that. It's called Demolition Man. Is that what happens? Demolition Man? Yeah, a lot of ways, yeah. Oh. He goes into the heart of the city where uh, Dennis Leary is, is living and uh, he's eating rat burgers and... These cops are all pussies, except for except for him, of course. <laughs> huh. well, I guess I need to watch. No, Demotion it's, Man it's like a it's a quirk to it. It's not the point of the story, like yours. Like, there's yeah. definitely more there for you to take. You should absolutely do it. I'm not. I don't. This is not. <laughs> don't patronize me. I, I'm fine. I'm never going to do this. No, anyway, moving on. To Just don't do the three seashells. Throwing ideas into the trash. Uh, in what in the episode "What Is Reality"? You guys discuss different ways of doing the Riddler, Saw, Zodiac, Mindhunter, etc. Oh, wow, someone's who's educated. I know. I actually, listen to the show. Uh, what are your thoughts on a Moriarty versus Sherlock dynamic between Riddler and Batman? I think we kind of tiptoed around that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where I think we were both saying the thing that makes Riddler interesting is right if. It's he's constantly in a game with Batman, right? You know where he's trying to solve. Yeah. He's trying to solve Batman for or just beat Batman, and right. every time Batman beats him, he just gets that much angrier and angrier. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I think I I don't I don't like the Joker getting the um, 
the monopoly on being the foil for Batman on every aspect of Batman, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, the Joker, he's crazy, which is the yeah. opposite of Batman. Yeah. He's super smart, which is a mirror for Batman. It's like, does he have to be super smart? He doesn't yeah. have to be super. So why can't, I mean, if I would pick, I would be okay with the Riddler being like the mental mm-hmm. foil for Batman. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a version of that. Um, I remember, not to talk about Star Trek, but the episodes where Moriarty comes conscious in the ah, holodeck. Yes. Yeah. And um, if that was like a Riddler story, yeah, whoever asked this question is right. There's totally a, a there there. Yeah, I think so. Um, Which just goes to show I've never read Sherlock Holmes, but I've watched <laughs> the Star Trek version of Sherlock. <laughs> I've watched the show. <laughs> I saw uh, the movie. Uh, tell me something you like in a comic that is unpopular. Um. Uh, killing off of characters for good. Yeah. Yes. Like sure. dead, dead. Captain yeah. America, dead. Yeah. Whoever it is. Like I hate when they fake kill people and they do it all the time and it bugs the shit out of me. Yeah. Well, you know, then you can't have a book called Captain America anymore. I know. Because, I yeah. get it. I get it. There's well, a... see, that's because you and I, you and I are both come from like, you prefer stories with a beginning, a middle and an end. Yeah. Uh, not that I don't love that X-Men has been published for 70 years or whatever it is. Yeah. Or, 60 years um but sometimes stories end right um for instance i was a big fan of uh uh, jane foster becoming thor spoilers Mm -hmm. um and the end of her story uh, being thor in the comics such a beautiful end and she ends up dying at the end of it and then two pages later they bring her back to life and they were like well you know we're not done with you yet it didn't even wait the whole issue I no, it was the same. It was the end of the book. It's like yeah. she she saves everybody. She sacrifices herself. She dies or whatever. Uh-huh. And then like handful of pages later, she's back, and it's like, oh yeah, we pulled you out. That of That should be the last page of an issue. Yeah, yeah. I think I, from what I remember, I think it was right. the same. But yeah. regardless, they bring her back. She's a new character now, and it's like, ah, it was such a great end. Yeah. Why taint it with right? You know, immediately bringing her back to life. So one of the things that my editors were complaining about. Not on my stuff, but they, they, she, my editor, Maggie, um, Maggie Doyle, Maggie Howell and Mark Doyle, mm-hmm. um, they said, uh, we love how, like they have their, their notes when I write stuff. Like I'm not a perfect writer, obviously. They said that we really like how you end every issue on a question. Like sure. it's like a big thrill. Like, oh, I can't wait to tune in next week to blah, 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 blah. They said, I can't tell you how many writers don't get that. Yeah. You're getting so many scripts where the last page is just the last page. Yeah. They're not leaving people with a desire to, you know, 30 days later, go back to the store and pick mm-hmm. it up again. And it's yeah. such a, I guess, a simple thing to do. But writers these days, want to gather, seem to feel like, well, if they read the first issue and they like it, they'll just read the second one. Yeah. I argue that life's too short. Uh, there's so many distractions out there. You you don't have time for a slow burn like that. Yeah. Meaning revealing your sl- story slowly, which is why I asked that question about how I could condense my first two issues. But if you, I mean, you need to hook them in the first five pages because yeah. life well, is short. I think there's a difference between a slow burn and a hook. Like your story can be a slow burn, but right. you still need to have something that's going to get them to come right. back. Like I've I've read multiple first issues of comics that I felt were kind of promising. Yeah, but it's like yeah, it's a slow burn in that nothing really happens, and right. at the end of it, you're presented with something that yeah. is supposed to be a hook, and you're just kind of like, I don't really care about anything. Right. Else. So the rule in screenwriting, as far as like 
reading books like Screenplay and all mm-hmm. that, which talk about Star Wars and Rocky. The rule is, or was, when this book was popular, in the first 10 minutes, you need to know, the audience needs to know, who's the main character, mm-hmm. what is the dilemma, and where is the story going? Sure. Those three questions need to be hit in the first 10 minutes. And in the first 10 minutes, so you, Indiana Jones, right? You have the thing where he takes the idol and escapes the cave. So after that action scene is over, begin your 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So when the plot action starts moving, you have 10 minutes. And if you're not, if the audience doesn't know that in 10 minutes, then they start to bail on you. Right. In a comics, you have 22 minutes because you use 22 pages. Sure. Think of it that way. Yeah. So I feel like in the first 10 pages, or at very least by the end of the first issue, you should have those three questions pretty much nailed down. Yeah. And the amount of comics that come out on high, uh, on very popular titles, it's like, well, you really got to read the first three before you know what the story's about. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. I'm spending $15 on three books from Marvel, and I could easily just go on Steam and buy a video game for right. $3. Like, what, what do you, comics, come on. Yeah. You need to be competitive. And, uh, you know, again, I, I use the word slow burn, meaning like stories that don't reveal enough detail. But uh, I take your point. You're right. Yeah. And I, I do think I, I do wonder how much of that is um, <clears throat> people writers structuring their stories more for trade for co- collections than right. for single issues. Yeah, because I mean I, I've uh, we've talked about it before where I um, yeah I if good if question. if I can when I write stuff I like to keep I like to make every page its own story. Right, and I know that sounds kind of pretentious, but like totally there's. When I was doing a when I was doing a web comic, it was like you've got one page yeah. to tell a story and get people to come back the next mm-hmm. week. So you have to be as succinct in like what's going on here, right? Uh, or otherwise, you end up like the Phantom comic in the yeah. newspaper, where it's like one panel, it's two it's, panels. Yeah, the first panel is a reaction from last <laughs> week, and the second panel is a setup for next week, and yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Those readers are dying out for a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're all dying of boredom and old age. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that the um. I feel like um, you need to do both. You need to, and every think of it as a book book. Every chapter should have an amazing ending that makes you want to go to the next chapter. Like I'm reading the the novel Rambo: First Blood, sure. written by David Morell, Mike Morell. I forget. Um, yeah, I think more Morell is. Morell, yeah, I can't remember. If and it was first short chapters, very easy to digest, and every chapter ends with like a question, like, "Oh my God, what's Rambo going to do next?" Mm-hmm. Um, so you can still write it for the trade. But you need to make each chapter sing on its own. Right. Like the rules are the same. I, I, I work with writers who claim like they covered up, they explained away their laziness um, or their lack of making issues compelling at the end into saying, oh, well, it's, it's meant to be collected on the shelves. Well, yeah. your customers are buying it now. Right. Like you're just telling them to fuck off until the book comes out in 12 months. You're rewarding trade, trade waiters. And our industry is based off of serialization. Right. And there's no reason why you can't do both. Right. Um, would you ever do a gray ghost one shot? Fuck uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the abstract, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. I, now to twist that a little bit, would you ever consider doing a gray ghost white knight one shot as working him into your universe? Yeah, I actually have, um, another, not, uh, Von Fries, but a curse spinoff <laughs> I'm doing, sorry, white knight spinoff with Harley, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, my wife and I pitched, mm-hmm. and I have um, Simon Trent Ooh. as a character in that. Excellent. So I'll, I'll leave it there. Excellent. <laughs> Actually, I can say a bit more. Um, there's a serial killer going around murdering all these Golden Age uh, stars. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but, mo- like movie stars? Yeah. yeah. And um, painting their 
but I won't get into that part. That's spoilery. <laughs> but um, so they, this serial killer tries to attract attack the gray ghost, but because he used to do his own stunts, of course he got away. Sure, he, he got to look at her. So mm-hmm. Batman or Harley, whoever is there, gets to like talk to Simon as like a witness and you know kind of have him in there as a cool little cameo. Nice. And I totally, even though I might not be drawing it, I uh, I won't be. I'm writing it for somebody else like Klaus. Mm-hmm. But I definitely want to steal that episode with like his the poster, his drapes, that one chair he sits in when he's feeling sad. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, rank the Robins. Dick, Jason, Tim, Damien, Bonus, Carrie. Who is the best to be Batman? Who would you tag team with in a wrestling match? Who makes the best omelet? Who He actually has okay, two well, questions <laughs> about breakfast here. He has another question about what's Alfred's go-to dish for breakfast, then lunch, dinner, and dessert. Uh, who would be able to take the hubs off the cat, the the hubcaps off the Batmobile. Uh, ranking the Robins. Who's your favorite? Um, I've always liked Dick Grayson. I've always been an you know an original yeah original brand. I I mean I grew up with Tim Drake because he was the Robin in the nineties. But mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, Dick Grayson's always because he's the only one, or at least for a long time, he was the only one who aged. Yeah, and whose story moved forward. Yeah. Um I think they're I th- they've moved Tim away from Batman since and he's mm-hmm. kind of his own thing. Yeah. Uh Jason Todd obviously his own thing. That took a long time to get to that point. Like it's not wasn't as organic as Dick Grayson was. Yeah. Um yeah, what about you? Um my favorite Robin in the cartoon was Tim Drake. Yeah. Because I liked his costume better. Just as he didn't have any green on it. It was mm-hmm. just red and yellow and black which mm-hmm. fit the palette and i felt that him as a character even though he was really young he was very well adjusted he wasn't broken like uh um dick grayson was yeah like he didn't have dad issues um i don't know if the tim drake in comics reflected the tim drake in the animated series um i actually don't know because i know there's from what i remember there is something in he has some sort of familial issue yeah uh i don't know if it's his mother is in the cartoon that his dad oh yeah it's the two-face connection where i think two-face killed tim's parents i forget Uh, forget. yeah anyway i liked him a lot i didn't like uh grayson in the animated series because he was just too goofy however i liked when he became nightwing Mm -hmm. because they had the chip on his shoulder type of thing yeah and a sweet sweet mullet (laughs) (laughs) uh Uh, jason todd is the just the angry robin right yeah he he didn't have much of a... Yeah, they killed him off and then brought him back 25 years later as yeah. uh, Red Hood, who yep. he still... Loves angry. his guns. Yeah, loves his guns. Yep. Um, and then uh, Carrie, uh, she was fine. I mean, she yeah. wasn't really that fleshed out in Dark Knight. Yeah. they. Uh, Frank Miller has used her to interesting effects since then as yeah. he's done his sequels. Um, you don't really get a ton with her, unfortunately. I think there was probably a little bit more meat on the bone there yeah but uh uh yeah i always liked her i thought her her look was really good yeah um i love damian wayne i think he's great i Uh think because uh they introduced him when well he became robin at the time when dick grayson took over as batman yeah and so they used it as an opportunity to switch the dynamic. Mm-hmm. So Damian Wayne as Robin was really dark and serious. Right. And Dick Grayson as Batman was a little bit more light. Yeah. And so it made for a really fun inversion of the dynamic. I really right. liked them a lot. Yeah. Huh. I like the having a Robin be a lady. I think that's yeah. super great. And uh, 
furthermore, I'd like, you know, Duke to be Robin. Uh, I like Black Guy to be Robin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Asian Robin would be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, the female Robin in in continuity never really got a a, a fair shake. She uh, yeah. what's her name? Stephanie Brown, I think. I know. I don't know why. Yeah. She just she, and a lot of people really love yeah. that character too, and they just kind of wiped her yeah. off the page. You know, DC is. I've met everyone at the company. They're yeah totally diversified. There's fifty percent women. Women have been running the, the company for a while. Uh, it's a woman named Pam now, and that, before that, it was um, Diane and um. Everything's totally intertwined, and uh, there's no resistance to this stuff at all. I don't know why it. Some would say it looks like a boys' club by looking at the content. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is because there's tons of diversity in the building itself of DC. Yeah, uh, and I don't know anyone who wouldn't love a new female Robin or Black Robin or whatever it is. You know, all yeah. the stuff you're saying. So I assume it's coming. Honestly, yeah. you know, and I mean Robin is such a. Uh, it's such a fertile ground for that type of character anyway because mm-hmm. i mean that's the whole point yeah i mean there's no you know batman is bruce wayne period yeah. full stop yeah robin is meant to be yeah. someone he takes under his wing and that could be anybody right you know? yeah, Those, yeah. You know, i don't know why it's i I always feel when i so when i first wrote punk rock jesus or it was came out i gave karen my editor mm-hmm. vertigo and she read it and she's like this is great but there's no women in this story and i felt so <laughs> embarrassed like fuck you're right like i just I'm a white dude. I see the, you know, my lens is a white guy. Sure. I just, you know, and I, at the time I, I knew women read comics, but it wasn't like a, um, a cus- customer base that I really thought of. Mm-hmm. And when Karen said that, I felt so embarrassed and I immediately changed one of the characters to be a woman and balanced it. And I'm glad I did. And I, I'm not trying to earn like, you know, SJW points or whatever, but it's just a better book when it's more diversified and there's yeah. more just a bunch of white guys running around with guns, you know? Yeah. And I look as much as I can to inject any time there's a new character. Like, all right, who do we have? Tons of white guys. Let's get a black guy in there. Let's get a Latino guy in there. Let's get a gay guy, whatever. But I don't want it to be the point of the character. But I do believe in, like, reminding you and me me both, a lot of our our friends, like, you just have to constantly remember that. Oh, definitely. And it's hard. You forget, you know? And it sounds stupid. But, yeah, you definitely have to pause and be like, all right, who don't I have yet? We need to get the whole rainbow in here. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, the first... At first blush, when you have an idea, a lot of times it's just going to be reflective of yeah, who great. you are. Me with a sword, exactly. Ponytail, yeah. Highlander. <laughs> yeah, my 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 first my web com- my first comic that I wrote, Dead Meat, was yeah. literally a fictional, you know, a fantasy fictionalization of my friends and I. Yeah, uh, my all friends your and me. white white friends. Yeah, and we were very very white, <laughs> so it was just a bunch of white guys and one woman. Um, but you know, honestly, as uh, this isn't gonna come through when you read the book that i'm doing now because it takes place in world war one yeah which is very predominantly male yeah um but i actually gr- have been gravitating more towards female characters in general right just because uh, it the uh it changes the way the stories play yeah um you know because i i think we you know we've probably talked about that a few times where uh you know, we we were talking about something, and we were thinking, oh, this, 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 and I said, well, what if yeah. we made her a woman? And because in my head, it's like that just changes the way yeah. it, it works. Yeah. And even with Bloody Hell, the book that I'm doing now, I fell into that trap where yeah. I was like, Vikings, yeah, a bunch of bunch of dudes. Yeah. And I I said to my girlfriend, I was like, yeah, there's no women in this book, and she yeah. immediately goes, why don't you make one of the Vikings a woman? And I was like, oh my god, I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you have, you obviously have, yes. Do they all have to be Nordic? The the gods. Uh well, there's not really not really too many gods in there. It's mostly just Vikings, like, oh. pro- like actual people. So you couldn't have like 
there's no way to have a black person in your book, is there? Uh, well, see, not to, to go off on too much of a tangent about yeah. my book, but um, I actually thought about that a lot because World War I was actually, I mean, it was a world war. It actually was incredibly diverse as far as yeah. the people who were fighting in it. You know, right. after, after the British Army got completely destroyed, basically, in, in the early days, they started pulling in all the, uh, the colonial troops, which right. were, you know, people from... Uh, New Zealand and Africa and all the India okay. and all the stuff. So it's a very multicultural war. Okay, but my main character is very much a n- nobody white guy. Yeah, and I did that on purpose for two reasons. Because one, I wanted him to be as blank as possible and as mm-hmm. unimportant as possible. I just wanted him to be another piece in the puzzle. Yeah. I didn't want him to stand out. I just want him to be a, a, a nobody, just another yeah, that makes soldier. Sense. That makes sense. And step two is kind of a jumping off of step one. If I made him Indian or if I made him New Zealand or, mm-hmm. or I don't know what the, the uh, you know, uh, native term for uh, Maori, I guess, or, or something New, like New that. New Zealander? Yeah. Uh, I know the, the bad word for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, funny, uh, Kiwi? Yeah. <laughs> uh, originated in World War One. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot. I've learned a lot about slang that we still use now. Yeah, like yeah. Like the term cushy, like, oh, that's a cushy job. Yeah. That originated in World War One because it was an English bastardization of an Indian word that meant, like, really comfortable. Oh, wow. Yeah. So huh. it was trench slang that just stuck yeah, in the Yeah, you're the only person I've known other than my Australian friend who knew, knew what a Kiwi was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, if I, if I had made the... Uh, if I had made him anything other than a, a boring white guy, mm-hmm. then I think that tells a different story and, and brings in a lot of different elements that yeah. I think are, are for, they're not my story to tell. Yeah. You know, like there's great stories out there about, you know, the African American yeah. uh, soldiers and stuff. Yeah. And that's just not, that's not for me to tell those stories. Yeah. And that's not the story that I'm telling here. Right. Um, so that's why he's a yeah, schlubby yeah. white dude. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mean, that's, and that's okay. I mean, my Shawshank Redemption is my favorite movie. There's only one woman in that and it's his wife. And she's killed at yeah. the beginning. It yeah. happens to have a black guy who in the book was a white guy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a bunch of whitey McWhiter scenes. Just yeah. Hang, you know, and not every story can have diversity. I mean, there's probably a great black Panther movie coming our way, which has zero white actors at all. Awesome. It yeah. should, you know, yeah. there's absolutely, you know, we actually, uh, on one of our other podcasts, we did uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. We were cut the Eddie Murphy movie. Oh, yeah. And that was one of the things that actually we weren't, you know, we, we at the beginning, we were kind of like, I don't know if we can really, we're pre- I don't know if we're, we're pretty white. I don't know if we Are can we talk about this. Write? Because, and I don't mean that like, in, you know, uh, whatever, but it was yeah. just like, it was in a, it was a movie that was in an entirely black mm-hmm. cast and I cut, I wasn't really expecting that. Nah, I wasn't yeah. prepared for it. I, I, I mean, used- it was, it was fun. Obviously, honestly, yeah. not as bad a movie as get gets a bad rap for being right. terrible, but it's actually not bad. But. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you know I agree with the spirit of that stuff, uh, but I'm sort of I feel like it's, it goes a little too far sometimes. I think it's okay yeah. to talk about a movie that only has black people in it. Oh no, I mean it, it's, know, it's it's not like we weren't gonna not talk about it because yeah, yeah. you know we weren't represented or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, because who gives a shit about us? But, yeah. Um, it was just one of those things where it was like. Some right. of the stuff at play here right. might be beyond what right, you know yeah. two white nerds totally, yeah. can talk about. You know? So in that to to shoot off of that, like I I love writing Duke. Yeah. Um 
I lived in Bed Stuy, Brooklyn, for a year, and I saw some a lot of stuff that helped inform the place that Duke came from mm-hmm. in poor neighborhoods where they were over policed and funding wasn't there, and it's just stagnant neighborhoods. And um, it's fascinating. It's really sad because you know it's 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 really no one's fault. I mean, some people are just you know the, the history just didn't do what they could for them. You know, yeah. and we're still dealing yeah. with the repercussions today. Um. And uh, I would love, I love touching on that stuff in my story. But if you told me to write a story about Duke surviving in backport, yeah, where it was every character was a minority and speaking about these, I would, I could write that. But I need to do a lot of research first because sure. I don't know a lot about that. Sure. I, I know what I saw when I was there. I probably know more than a lot of white people do. But mm-hmm. I'm not an expert, and I would be more comfortable having a, a, a black person with you know someone who sure. is more capable to speak to that. So I'm okay with those stories in my book on the side because I feel like that's appropriate. But you know, same thing. Like if I was going to write a story about lesbians and the story was about women discovering, um, you know, who they were or whatever, like yeah. I could write that. But I don't know if you'd want to read that. Yeah, I definitely want an advisor. Who <laughs> there would gay. be there would yeah. be a lot of people saying, "Why is he writing this?" Yeah, yeah. And I'm not not because I'm worried about the blowback, but just because like artistically to get yeah. it right to do proper research, right. I need to speak someone someone who knows what they're talking about. You know? Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I'm fine flowing it throwing it in as a subplot, but if it's like the meat of the story, then I'm gonna just have Brian Edward Hill write it. Or yeah. Something yeah. Else. <laughs> Um, hundreds of artists have drawn Batman over the years. If you had to pick one artist as your favorite to draw Batman, who is it? Mine, as the person is saying, mine is Norm Brayfogle. Norm Brayfogle, yeah. For the demonic look of him and the cape with a mind of its own. Yeah. Huh. He's he's pretty up there. I mean, he had such a great, iconic-looking Batman. Yeah. The every the guys who drew him through the seventies and the eighties, yeah, really like the the it was fairly on model across the board and it was mm-hmm. just such a great look for batman it's yeah. sort of that uh um is it jorge garcia lopez yeah uh, uh hit, yeah i think it's i think it's jorge i apologize if it's not um but his batman is like the 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 style sheet batman yeah and everybody kind of was circling around that and it's yeah. just such a great look for him with yeah. the I was perfectly with, proportioned, not too short, not too long ears, yeah. the gray and the blue. It's yeah, really yeah. good luck. He's a good guy. I went to um Brazil with him and a bunch of other people and um um I went to Brazil with uh, Garcia Lopez and he's like 70 now. Mm-hmm. And I think his wife just passed at the time, so he was in a dark place. Yeah. And he had an assistant that was kind of like my version of Jeff, mm-hmm. uh, his version mm-hmm. of Jeff so mm-hmm. to speak. And um I I mean I just I haven't read a lot of his books, but I knew he was a legend and he was yeah. a sweetheart to hang out with. And, you know, he spoke the language, which was helpful. <laughs> um, and uh, afterwards, I, I talked to DC. I was like, the black and white statues, how come Garcia Lopez hasn't had one? And yeah. they're like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> he designed. I'm like, yeah, get on that. I'm like, yeah. I, I want to see this. This guy deserves a statue. Like, I'm, I'm coming up to my second one and this legend. Yeah. like, who the fuck am I? Like, give him, a sta- give him my statue. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I never knew what I was looking for in a Batman artist. Yeah. This is sounding like a, a wedding speech. Uh, until <laughs> I picked up <laughs> Batman, uh, black and white volume one in college mm-hmm. and got to, uh, Jorge Zafino's Batman story. Yep. Cause that was like, it almost looked like he was drawing the Tim Burton Batman. Yeah. And it was just that when I saw that, I was like, this is my Batman. So I 
I love Zafino, but I think his Batman stuff was his weakest stuff. I did not like how he drew Batman. I like really? how he drew oh, everything else. I mean, he's very boxy, and I, I think he needs to do a few issues of Batman to get good at Batman, because it definitely felt like if you and I were handed the script with a character we've never drawn before, sure. there's going to be clunkiness. Yeah. I think he was, like, when he was on Punisher, he just fit immediately, because he's yeah. just a soldier. But Batman is a different approach. Like, are you drawing a man, do you, do you draw a sketch of a guy's face and then draw a cowl over it, or do you just draw the cowl? Sure, yeah. And, you know, every artist has a different answer for that. I love, as much as I love Zafino, I don't love his Batman. Yeah. Well, he, his was the... Oh, although there was a cover he did where Batman's on a building screaming. Oh, yeah. That's, and that's his, intense. his lower half is yeah. blacked out so much that he's just a torso screaming in front of the city. It, that's an intense cover. Yeah. If you look at his Zafino Batman cover, you'll see it, and it's, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> you know, the thing that, that stood out to me with him, though, is, is he was the first person who I saw use uh, the shadow in, with Batman to mm-hmm. such great effect. Like there's some there's some drawings in there where you know it's mostly black, uh, but he's popped out like part of one ear, right? And the face and the bat signal, and then like you see some white on the cape at the bottom, yeah. And it's it's such a um, really clever way to, yeah, yeah. to make Batman actually part of the shadows. Yeah, yeah. And I know other people do that. Mignola does that, right? Um, but he was the first person I came across where I was like, ooh, this is a really yeah interesting graphic right. design kind of way to handle right. Batman and shadows and stuff. So I, I don't know what my preferred one is, but I can go through the mm-hmm. roster in my head of so I love the animated series Batman, sure. but I like that style if it's animated. Mm-hmm. A, uh, a comic of that style, like that style is designed to be animated. Right. In a comic, I think you should complicate it up a bit. Uh, and that's kind of, I, I want some complexity in my Batman. So the smooth bubbliness of Tim Bruce Tim is not mm-hmm. my favorite in a comic book. I love the Kelly Jones because he's doing yep. weird things with shapes and, ca- and shadows that no one else does. Yep. But long ass ears, which he's, you love. Uh, more more <laughs> muscles on the rib cage of a human than I've ever seen. Um, I loved um, in Volume One, Batman Black and White, Stelfreeze at the time. Brian Stelfreeze oh, yeah. did a great. That was when I was going through my very clean like plasticky designy phase sure. like not a lot of grays and rendering but just very stark and contrasty when i think of uh, neil adams batman oh, yeah. i think neil, yeah. it's amazing but he was amazing in drawing everything yeah. like even i don't i'm not a green lantern fan but his green lantern looked amazing yeah so like who uh, jim lee jim lee's batman is is very uh, square and good and, mm-hmm. and um standard and consistent and rugged and yeah, I don't know if I could just pick one, honestly. Yeah, yeah, they they all they're all yeah. so different. And even you know? like Sinkavich's Batman Love depends. Sometimes it's like yeah. right angle shoulders with curvy uh, claws shooting out from his shoulders. Yeah. And, um, Dave Mazzucchelli, you Batman Year One. Yeah, fantastic Batman. Yeah. Uh, I mean Frank Miller, obviously. Yeah. Or I should say Frank Miller and Klaus. Yeah. Really iconic. It's about yeah. as iconic as you can get. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know that I prefer a rugged, leathery Batman. Mm-hmm. I don't want a plastic sci-fi belt. I want a belt with shit on it, with stuff, with different size pockets. And, um, I yeah, that's my my make or break Batman is not based so much on like the length of the years or whatever, but yeah. it's based on like what does the belt look like? How organic is the art feel? Like I love, uh, um. Paul Pope's Batman, Batman, yeah. Batman 100. Yeah. Where it feels like he built that suit out of his closet. Yeah. I yeah. yeah, I like that. <laughs> you know, he's with like a the sweatshirt yeah. uh, bands around yes. his wrist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I 
All right, next question. Uh, what kind of this? This is interesting because we brought it up a little bit earlier. What kind of personality did slash does Jason Todd have in the White Knight world? What kind of Robin was he? Similar to the canon version, or was he imagined any differently in how he acts or his origin? I mean, I guess there's only so much you can talk about. Yeah. This, but. So my version of Jason is he was pissed. Um, I'll get into some spoilers, so skip the next minute if you don't want them. Um, I think I think Jason Todd is was angry, but he's moved on, and he Bruce has a lot of shit he needs to work out with Jason. Jason doesn't need to talk to Bruce; he's sort of over it. Jason has a sort of zen. So if if uh, Nightwing is the angry Robin, and he was hanging out with Jason Todd, I think Jason would say to Nightwing, "Hey, I was mad too, but you can't let it consume you. You know, Bruce is a human; he fucked up. You know, no parent is perfect. You need to move on." And I think that's where my Jason Todd is headed. Like he has some reservations, and he's not uh, an open book when Bruce Bruce meets him, but he is not as broken by it. He sort of found some peace in his new vocation i'll say that yeah but bruce has a lot of shit he needs to say to jason and jason sort of doesn't care He's, i mean yeah you have to read more <laughs> that's, that's as much as i can give good question though um is the okay i guess this is a two he has two good questions that are in a row so i'll, I'll just say both of them is the death of the Waynes just the starting point on Bruce's quest for justice, or does it have to be a motivation forever? Can he get over their deaths and continue being Batman for other reasons? We talked about this before. Did we? Yeah, so we have, uh, in my mind, I have three stages of Batman. Oh, that's right, yes. Yeah, stage yeah. one, my parents died, I need to avenge their death. Sure. Stage two is like, all right, you know, the parents thing still hurts, but I'm... <laughs> I'm running out in a suit every night because I have other motivations. Yeah. Like I'm still mad about my parents, but right. I'm mad about crime in general, blah, blah, blah. And in stage three, Batman is like Dark Knight where, man, I'm getting old. How yeah. long do I need to do this? <laughs> yeah. Listen to the show, Kyle. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Kyle. <laughs> uh, who is your preferred killer of the Waynes? Random criminal like Joe, Ch- Joe Chill, conspiracy like the Court of Owls, or uh, something like the Joker, I guess. You go ahead. Uh, random. Yeah. I think... I, I think as soon as you as soon as you have a identifiable person be the person who kills the Waynes, mm-hmm. Batman has an endpoint. Yeah, you know, because then it's just about yeah. Well, once he gets that guy, yeah, I guess it's done. Yeah. I guess it's, it's over. Better, you know? It's better when it's a ghost. Yeah, because it's not because I think that kind of kind of feeds into the the first part that we were talking about, which we did talk about before, where it's Batman isn't. At least he, he he starts as a vengeful character for me anyway, mm-hmm. but he's not ultimately about vengeance. He's not ultimately about revenge. He's about prevention. He's yeah. a he's a deterrent. Yeah, from making sure that this random act of violence as much as much as possible for him mm-hmm. doesn't happen to another. There's not another kid with his parents lying dead in the alleyway right. next to him. Yeah. So for me, it's always been it, it has to be a, a faceless right. random killing. I know? agree. I mean, there are instances where it makes sense, like the Jack Nicholson being the Joker. As far as the movie was concerned, that's a pretty tight plot if you're going to have yeah. one Batman makes movie. Because they didn't yeah. know it was going to be as huge as it was. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, along, you know. Even there, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, it's just, it's like a late movie revelation where it's like, oh, sure. Okay. I guess, 
Did we really need this? I made Probably you, not. But you made me first. Yeah, it does give you that line, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, two related questions: Does Batman existing in the wider DC universe and Justice League world take anything away from his character? Do you consider the Batman who is willing to join the Justice League as different than the Batman who stays on the streets of Gotham? That's a good question. Yeah, I've always struggled with Batman in the Justice League. Yeah, I mean, if he's the billionaire funder. Of it, and he's sort of behind the scenes, mm-hmm. um, the tactician, and the, he's their spokesman to humanity because he's human, whereas many of them aren't. That makes sense. But literally, him putting on a bat suit and standing toe to toe next to Superman. I mean, yeah, come on, Batman like, punching Dark Side in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Batman, Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Batman had no reason to be in that battle with Doomsday <laughs> at the end of the movie. He should have just been like, hey guys, you guys take care of this. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. I fight low level crime. Yeah. I I I <laughs> like a parking ticket. <laughs> I think Batman works great with the Justice League when the Justice League is at home on their base mm-hmm. talking about like uh talking about what's happening. Yeah. Because Batman's point of view is very different than everybody yeah. else's point of view. He's right. like essentially the devil's advocate character. Right. He's good in the chat room with the JLA. Yeah. It's <laughs> like battle. No. Yeah. They bring him up to the satellite or whatever when they're talking about <laughs> what's going on and, and the evil that's happening. Batman will give you some ideas and yeah. he'll be like, well, Superman, I know you can't yeah. really rationalize how an evil person can yeah, think yeah, like yeah. this. So let me help you do that. Yeah. But yeah, when you get out to it, it's like, He's going to stay home, probably. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to go fight the space Batman's monsters. like the, the goth kid that shows up at a pep rally, and everyone's so fucking colorful and positive, and he's just like, depression, emo, <laughs> the Smiths. Well, what's funny is like in the, 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 uh, in the movies, right? In, uh, the event, in the Justice League movie, they treat Batman like Iron Man mm-hmm. when they should be treating Batman like Hawkeye. Okay. You know, Hawkeye. <laughs> Batman is essentially <laughs> Hawkeye. Uh-huh. But like a better version of Hawkeye. So when Doomsday shows up or like these space monsters show up, uh-huh. Batman's got some like spikes he can throw at them and stuff. Yeah. But they treat him like Iron Man. So oh, he's got, okay. Like, okay. He's got all the mechanics. Sorry, the guns you said Hawkeye. I was thinking uh, Hawkman for some reason. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. But I mean, like, he's, I was like, wait, was he in that movie? I don't remember it. <laughs> he's on the team. He's on the team. He's the Hawkeye on the team, surrounded yeah. by literal gods. Yeah, yeah. When he's like, he's "Well, I've got bow and arrow, and we'll have him get taken over by yeah. an evil, evil demon or something." Uh, let's see. We could do a couple more. A long episode. Uh, how can we honestly bring Batman into the DC Comics multiverse? Sorry, DC Cosmic multiverse. How would we be able to show off Batman's superb detective skills, his tech development, and discerning qualities? whilst opening up the DC multiverse and introducing the vast range of superpowers therein. So is multiverse, does that mean like cosmic space? Yeah, it it sounds, it sounds like, it sounds like what he's asking is essentially, I don't know if this is a a white knight specific question, but it sounds like, right. How can, how can your Batman Batman, hang with all that? Yeah. Cosmic greatness. All right. So here's my answer to that. And I, I actually gave this a lot of thought last night. I would do, um, Batman as Han Solo and the Batmobile is the Millennium Falcon and he is um he doesn't have the superhuman abilities as everybody else of course um but something he he has the technology to and the stick-to-itiveness and the gumption and the brain to think around complex problems and he manages to go around that universe but he would almost have to be like a Han Solo type where he's going rogue, he's going behind enemy lines, he has a supercharged ship, which gives him an edge, 
I think it would have to be that his technology and his creativeness um, that manages to that becomes a superpower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, like he's not faster than the speeding bullet. He's not Martian Manhunter. But if you gave him a Millennium Falcon and had him do some stuff, you know, behind enemy lines, and he would report back, I think that would be an appropriate use for for him. Yeah, I think there's a a, a way to handle him, um, where he is when presented with cosmic and you know cosmic situations and super high tech space whatever yeah he is the one who is removed enough from that that he can think about it on a small like a minute level yeah and like a more human level yeah so you know where where everybody's thinking about the ramifications of right planets colliding or something batman's yeah. the one who can be like well we take this guy out none of this happens you know right. like that kind of thing you know he yeah. has the the distance from that stuff Right. To be able to look at it and, yeah, and yeah. analyze the problem differently <clears throat> right. than, say, Superman or Green Lantern. You know, and the most interesting aspect, too, is if Bruce is the spokesman for humanity, he is a very fucked up human being to be the spokesman for humanity, yeah. honestly. Yes. And I, I think there's a scene where you could have a scene where Superman's like, really? You're the spokesman for, like, look at you. you you're so focused on this stuff, and you're this and you're that, and you're probably, like, one step away from being a criminal yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have a favorite color. You don't have a favorite song. You're just, like, one one single focus on t- you know super tunnel vision whatever why are you the spokesperson for humanity you're the worst candidate to speak for humanity so the story becomes about bruce trying to connect to other humans and think about what they want not just how fucked up he is right which i think there's a plot there yeah it turns into that cut scene from terminator 2 where they try to teach the t-800 how, <laughs> how to smile, smile? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right oh, last man. question um, all right you wake up tomorrow as a henchman for one of batman's villains who do you work for and what do you imagine your job would be like uh i don't want to work for joker because he just kills henchmen just as a joke sometimes yeah that's someone that's going to take care of you my, my my honestly my feeling is i feel like two-face is probably a pretty solid guy to work for because you get like 50 <laughs> 50 yeah i mean yeah he has good days and bad days exactly <laughs> 50-50. Um, but, like, you get a cool suit. Like, you you know, you get, like, a multicolored suit kind of thing. You got a uh, a very specific uh, look and ethos where it's, like, it's difficult to screw up a two-faced job. Because right. yeah. it's like, well, which bank did he tell us to hit? Well, it's probably the second avenue right. bank. On, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah, and I don't know. Yeah, I feel like he has... there's probably a pretty solid community of people there, you know, versus uh, the Joker has a lot of weirdos and stuff. But, you know, Two-Face, you're just kind of like a a goon plus, I guess. Right. So I have two answers. Quick answer is Mad Hatter, because if I'm a henchman for him, it means he's mind-controlling me. So therefore, I get off when I I get caught. Um, And then the longer answer would be um, maybe Ra's al Ghul. Which would make you a League of Assassins type of person. That's a lot. That's so much work, though. Yeah, well, you'd be super <laughs> trained, but you'd have to know the rules. Yeah, and when you could get killed or have to throw yourself into a river. Or something. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you get caught, you got to cyanide capsule yourself. Oh yeah, you know what? I'm not into that. Yeah, <laughs> surprisingly, I you know I I run pretty hot personally, and I'm not a huge fan of direct sunlight. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So I would go. Mister Freeze would be another option. I mean, you get to hang out in like cool areas all the time. Yeah, but he's so. 
<laughs> he's not a lot of fun. No. Like, I mean, unless you make like, it a... No, unless like, you make wear it Hawaiian like a Hawaiian shirt to work day with Mr. Freeze. <laughs> well, see, but I know. But, like, I feel like I would... I would I would probably be the one who'd be like, you know what? Before this before this job is done, I'm going to get you to laugh. Oh yeah. 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 I'm going to get you to crack a smile, Victor. <laughs> and you know what? We're going to get you back out there. We're going to take you out. You're going to meet yeah. some people. Yeah. No. Forget Mr. about Freeze, your wife in a bottle. The wingman and Mr. Freeze. I want to take you out, dude. I'm going to get you laid. That's my gift to you. Played by Thomas Hayden Church from Sideways. Oh Jesus, yeah. <laughs> this whole issue, Mr. Freeze like cock blocking himself <laughs> have you ever seen there's a fantastic uh video i don't even know what it's from but it's it's years old i remember seeing it in college it's on youtube you can find it. it's called robin's big date right where it's uh justin long is playing robin and sam rockwell is playing batman yeah and robin's out on a date with this woman and then batman shows up to cock block him essentially yeah and explaining it more wouldn't do it justice but it's like <laughs> sam rockwell at his most sam rockwell yeah. playing a really asshole version of batman right it's it's a lot of fun yeah yeah all right so i have one question for you then sure um what you gotta be honest Mm -hmm. live on air yeah what in my books my writing Mm -hmm. what were you surprised that i pull off and what did you think i missed Um, missed on or i tried to do and it didn't quite work for you um i uh if i went with what did friendship quite, over what's friendship <laughs> over just kidding uh i i don't know if i love the last issue of white knight volume one yeah because uh there's a lot of stuff going on and it turns into kind of just tying up a loose a lot of tying up loose ends a ton a yeah. ton yeah. yeah it's a lot of tying yeah and i think I, I think you did a good job with a lot of it, but I, if it were me, I think I would have, I think I had wished that it would be a little bit more thematic Yeah. instead of um, just, you know, where are these people? This is where they are. This yeah, is how yeah. it ends with them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, That's fair. What I, what I, I've what heard I, that too, and other people were annoyed that everything was tied up too cleanly. Yeah. And I, my lesson I learned from that is uh, readers don't need to have everything spelled out for them. Right. You give them enough to chew on they can work out their own reasons why things happen yeah but in my mind i'm like well comic readers are very particular about like what happens after this what happens Mm -hmm. after that we have to know and i i didn't need to do that yeah so yeah i don't disagree with you um what i what i thought you did really well um i'm actually really liking the way the uh uh history stuff has been the 1600 stuff has been playing out in curse good yeah uh because i you know i was a very tough sell on that stuff when we were talking about it. Right. But um, I think it's, I think the way that it's rolling out and I think the way that it's going to conclude, it's been, yeah. it's been working pretty well for me. I think. Oh, good, man. Thank you. I think that cutting out the more bombastic stuff, like I, I had a scene, if I had time, I would have done a whole Edmund and Bacar go through all these villain counterparts. Like you see them kill Creature from the Black Lagoon and they go after this yes. guy, that guy. And as fun as that would be, it's a little too silly. Yeah. And it distracts you. I think, see, I, I think I've, I, I feel like I've, we've talked about this before. I think that's a, that's a spinoff book. Like you yeah. do a one shot, you could do a, like a 40 page one shot just about Edmund and Bacar yeah. and villains and from the 1600s. Stuff. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. you know, that's, that's per, that's exactly where that stuff belongs. That could happen. I mean, yeah. honestly, um, DC, Dan DiDio came up to me in New York and said, Hey, we're doing, um, we're giving, um, 
Joe Hill, his own spinoff series or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's not going to write everything, but he's going to like manage his brand. We'd like to do that with White Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, so so far they they wanted a uh, this isn't I can talk about this. This uh, they wanted a Batgirl Nightwing story, which I, there's no movement on. I have an idea, but we don't have a writer or an artist yet. And then a Harley spinoff because mm-hmm. Harley's huge, and that's when my wife and I pitched them something. And then talking to you, I said, well, if these two books are a hit and they want like round two of White Knight spinoffs, then you wanted to do a, cat, a Catwoman story. Yep. And you don't have to go into that if you don't want to. But yeah, yeah if keep, that, I'll keep that one close to the Yeah, yeah, of course, now. of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you're more secretive with your ideas than I am. Well, you know, I, I don't entirely ascribe to this, but there's a certain <laughs> element for me where it's like the it loses a bit magic once you tell somebody, once you verbalize it, you know? Right. Um, so, and also, cause you know, I, I, it, putting it out there in an unofficial capacity also opens it up for other people to do it. So yeah. Yeah. And that is always a thing. I think the difference between us is I've been doing this for a while and I don't fear someone's swooping in and stealing ideas. Yeah. And I don't think anyone even like, you know, maybe, five percent of my readers are even listening to this right now so they're not going to hear it um and i think it's cathartic to talk about it because i think people will respond to you being genuine and talking about stories even if it's a little spoilery yeah but, you know, that's just well and also thing. you know if it's something that i eventually get mm-hmm. to do i'd like to keep it as yeah as as fresh as possible you know but, yeah yeah your story uh, where catwoman was actually joking the whole time is an amazing story yeah, you. <laughs> well you know it's uh, it, i think it would be a lot of fun to do because I was going to say, though, if oh, yeah, the yeah, Catwoman yeah, yeah. thing is a hit, then I'd say you and I should pitch a uh, Edmund Wayne four-issue series where it's yeah. like Castlevania, where he's just sure. beating boss after boss, basically. Yeah, why not? Yeah. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, I won't go into the Catwoman thing, but I, I, uh, the reason that I chose that character when you said if you could do anything, what would you want to do? Yeah. It, it's, it, it's probably not the first thing people would guess that I would go after. Right. But the thing that made it so appealing to me was it's the only character from Batman proper that you haven't done anything with. <laughs> yeah. So it's a completely open field. Yeah. And I was like, if I'm going to make my mark on this, yeah. Catwoman is probably the way to go. If you, if you do it, you should answer the question of how she fits into Bruce's life. Yeah. Because there, ha- there should be a lot of flashbacks where they had a history. As a reader, that's what I would want to see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, as... <laughs> well, <laughs> Well, if I'm producing it, then you're going to have to take some notes and yeah, what okay. we should see out of it. Uh, but at one point, you said you wanted to do a Jason Todd spinoff, uh, right? I thought that J- a Jason Todd spinoff would be good. I don't know if that's really something that I'd be super into. Okay. Because um, I, I would have to really sit with Jason Todd and see like what I find interesting about that character. Right. Yeah, yeah. Whereas my, what, what I want to do with Catwoman I, is fairly specific. Yes. Um, so I think, I think that would be a, a lot of fun. Yeah. But, yeah, okay, so I think that's going to do it. Thanks yeah. for sticking around. Thanks for the questions, everybody. Yeah, that was that was great. Uh, nice big episode for you to uh, <laughs> to tide you over till season three starts. I'm I not sure like when that's going to be. we got very serious. Like, I, I didn't laugh as much as, I, as we usually do. <laughs> usually we start joking around. This was all very, like, tense. Well, you know, <laughs> debating where Batman fits into the cosmic multiverse is a very serious topic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it. Thank you. Thank you guys again so much for uh, checking out seasons one and two. Really appreciate it. Uh, always love hearing from you guys and, and love hearing that what people do uh, like about the show. I actually have one thing that someone sent us that maybe to keep in mind for future shows. Sure. Uh, he says uh, you should get more into you should you should get into more of a working in comics discussion. How do you handle projects and all that behind the scenes stuff? 
it would be really helpful for a lot of your followers that are trying to break into the industry. Yeah. So that's definitely something to keep yeah, in mind. Yeah, we should do a forward. special episode of like uh, tricks, tips to get in. Sure. We haven't done that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I don't know when season three is going to start. We've, you know, yeah. we both Next time have you stuff and I hang on, out but. like this, we'll do a, uh, a list of t- tips to get into Yeah, comics. we'll definitely do at least one more probably special episode before we start season three proper. But yeah. Thank you guys for your questions. Thanks so much. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you, uh, if you like the show, give us a rating and review on iTunes. That would be amazing. A high rating. High rating. Yeah. We don't want to be one star shit. (laughs) And, uh, don't try to be ironic. (laughs) And, uh, you know, uh, if you, if while bat, while badass is off the air, uh, we've got a Star Trek podcast that I do with, uh, Wes. We're coming up on the end of deep space nine. Uh, if that's something you're interested in, I will be starting a horror movie podcast called the Rotten Horror Picture Show, probably, I think, early next year, which is going to be a lot of fun. Because you don't have enough podcasts? Yeah. You know, I just, I, nobody, I, I just like talking about stuff. Yeah, you do. You know? And, and that's it's, what it's I love a really, about you. It's a really cheap. You do this for free. Yeah. It's a really cheap, uh, satisfying outlet for stuff. So that you don't have to talk to your girlfriend about things. You feel like you've gotten it off your chest. Today. Well, my co-host for the horror podcast, Amanda. Uh, we have the same situation where we're both really into horror stuff, right? But our significant others are not, so it'll give us a chance. It'll right. give us a chance to talk about it instead of me, right? You know, explaining to my girlfriend what's really great about the character of Dracula <laughs> until she rolls her eyes so hard she passes out. Yeah, maybe with it, your girlfriend on this one. Yeah, well, hey, you know, <laughs> maybe if you learned, Castlevania would be a better book. <laughs> Anyway, thanks, guys. Uh, thank you, Sean. We will uh, thanks, Clay. Uh, talk to you guys soon. See you.